Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the SDR Game Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Eric, and today uh, my guest is Baptiste Cusiel, Senior SDR at MoveWorks. So Baptiste, welcome to the show. Hello Eric, thank you. Can you um, explain what you do at MoveWorks as a Senior SDR? Are you more focused on outbound, inbound? Again, Baptiste Cusiel, so I joined MoveWorks in March of last year, 2022. And at MoveWorks, I'm a senior SDR working from the Southern Europe territories. So it's everything from France. Um, we have Belgium, Luxembourg, Switzerland, Spain, and Italy. And I am, I'll say, 99% focused on outbound because we are opening the market here in Europe. So we don't have any leads. And as in enterprise sales, you don't get that many leads compared to <laughs> other uh, segments. So yeah, I'm doing a... Um, I've been doing that for for almost a, a year. In in March, it's going to be a year, so been a good time. So you said you are focused on different countries. Do you have more, like spending more time on France? Uh, how do you split your time on this? Yeah, there is a focus on France. When we launched, we were primarily going after France, uh, the French market, for obvious reasons, since most of the team is French and we are based in Paris. Um, but then we also started to expand to other parts of Europe um, because it's also important to like try to see wherever we can have do business and, and sometimes other countries in Europe are uh, pretty responsive for these kinds of innovations. What's enterprise at MoveWorks? It's, it's funny because at MoveWorks, enterprise is everything above 2,500 employees. But because we just launched, um, we're focused on enterprise, but we also go after like, I'd say smaller companies, but it's still like above a thousand employees, which is still enterprise from for a large of other software vendors. Um, so yes, it's a, it's a little bit of both. Do you have a, a focus on a specific industry? I, I didn't even introduce MoveWorks, but I'm going to do it in a, oh, yeah, yeah. very okay. shortly. Uh, MoveWorks, basically, we've developed a conversational AI platform that helps employee get instant help at work. So great things when you work with employees. It's every company has employees. So as long as they have a, a good tech stack, we work with them. So it's all of these companies, no matter the industry, um, we do have better success with tech companies, but uh, it's always uh, always that when, you, you, when you're in tech. <laughs> What's the buyer persona uh, for you? So um, our buyer personas, we tend to focus on CIOs um, but we've seen recently that many CIOs are linked directly to COOs under some okay. large organizations. But also now, uh, since uh, I think a few months, uh, we know that it will also include the CFOs <laughs> at some point. But uh, the people we prospect into are mostly people within the CIOs um, organization. But also we've expanded to the CHROs. Um, working with people because employee experience can be both viewed as like IT or HR. So it can directly impact both parts of the organization that will have some different, uh, that we will have some different approaches with. If it's CIOs, so it's pretty technical um, buyer personas, I imagine. And uh, I know if I, we're going to talk about that right after, but I know you are coming from Zendesk and at Zendesk, it was more a different Buyer persona, um, what's a, you, do you think the biggest difference between what you are doing at Zendesk and now uh, talking with CIOs on a daily basis? It's, it's funny because at Zendesk, I was working for like customer support. So it's directly under the COOs most of the time. And here it's like internal support. So 
what I learned at Zendesk about the product ticketing and everything is very much helpful at MoveWorks. So it's it's interesting because when you actually when you pitch to CIOs and COOs, depending the topic you're pitching, for me for MoveWorks, it's not that technical. So we, I just have to be straight to the point, show where we had value, and usually it follows. And what are the common pain points for a CIO for a solution like MoveWorks? So <laughs> it's very trendy amongst every industry, but uh, today it's mostly focused on cost reduction and improvement of the quality of services. So you don't want your employees to wait five days to get a software approved or to change their, their password or they go, to, they go on holidays and they come back, nothing is working, they cannot log into their system. So it can be like a day up to five days of not able to produce anything, which can be frustrating for the employees, but also very much for the leaderships. Okay, so now we were talking about Zendesk so far, because we didn't talk about that actually, and here the episode is more about the talking about you, what you're doing at MoveWorks, but what I found what is interesting to talk about this right now, it's when we are doing the prep call uh, together, you mentioned that um, at Zendesk, uh, your previous company, you were booking 80% of your meetings via email and LinkedIn, and now at MoveWorks, you book 95% of your meetings on the phone. So and I found super interesting because uh, yes, you are an ASIA at Zendesk and now an ASIA at MoveWorks, but now you are completely changed your process on prospecting. And, uh, and I think it will be super interesting to talk about uh, how was the transition? And um, so how did you approach this actually? How did you approach the transition from? From uh, emails and, and, and yeah. LinkedIn to, yeah, to calls. Um, it's, it's funny because I hated calls. <laughs> like, I was scared of it. I didn't like it. I was bad at it. I always forgot what to say. It was a mess. So at some point I figured out like, all right, I'm, make, I'm doing like 150% without calls. I'm fine. Then came January of last year and January I had a very bad month because all my emailing sequence stopped during uh, Christmas time and holidays. I came back, I had like no meetings for the month and I, I said like, all right, I have to get back to it and just uh, get meetings because I have quota to make and I've never underperformed. So I just wanted to be good. So I started calling people and I noticed it was not that bad, not that difficult because I had a very like a strategic plan um, around cold calling that we'll talk about later. And after that, I realized that it was not too hard. And when I joined MoveWorks, I still liked uh, doing emails, social setting but it's way different to do social selling when you are at Zendesk, everybody knows who you are. Um, I was selling to startups and it's very important for me to be present where your prospects are. My prospects were a lot on LinkedIn. They were posting about their new raising, about their new acquisition, about their new product or whatever. So it was really easy for me to send them a quick um, Loom video or whatever, personalized with my face on it. And it would they would most of the time reply whether it was for a meeting or not, but it was a great way to start the conversation. Whereas at MoveWorks <laughs> and some videos, and there was just no replies. I tried video gifts, I tried everything, voice notes. People just ignore you. So I was like, all right, uh, now I'm gonna I'm gonna call people. And also, I didn't had I didn't have access to that many phone calls, like phone numbers, when I was at Zendesk, rather than now with MoveWorks. 
it's uh, it's way easier for an SDR to just call people when you have the numbers and when it's not an office number that everybody's working from home so you cannot reach anybody. And that's a really good point because um, actually when I was at Chili Piper, uh, we had maybe two tools, I think, for finding phone numbers. And uh, obviously it's uh, harder when you don't have um, a lot of tools. I know when we were preparing this, you mentioned that you had uh, Lucia, Cognizim, and ZoomInfo at, at Movox. So I think that's super helpful also to have three different tools to uh, get a lot of numbers. So, um, so I think that's, that's good. So uh, you said, and I was going to ask, but uh, I think it was at Zendesk, you said December was a, a ba um, yeah, not a good month for you. And then you, you started thinking about the phone in January and you started uh, on, on the phone. So um, how did, we're not going to about the structure later on the episode, but um, how did you approach that? So you said you were scared uh, of the phone. Uh, yeah. And uh, why did, how did you approach that? I was scared because I thought I was uh, disturbing people in their daily day, like just daily activities. So I was like, I didn't want to sound like, you know, the people that sells stuff like phone lines or anything that you just know you're going to hang up even before you re you take the call. So, um, and I never liked disturbing people. Like no, nobody in sales like that. So I figured out, I figured out that at some point I've got to hit quota. <laughs> as much as I don't like disturbing people, I don't like disappointing people within my organization. So I had to step up and disturb some people. And so, and I realized after some people that that responded well to my call outreach, I realized it was not such a big deal and I could like fumble some word at some time, miss, uh, like forget something that I wanted to say, forget about one personalization item that I had in mind for them. It would not be a big deal because people were just fine with what I said and sometimes it piqued their interest. So they would be uh, happy to learn more and to check at some point what uh, what I could do with, uh, with Zendesk at the time. So it's, it's not such a big deal actually when you start doing it and it's like anything you start and you improve every day and and and, and lucky for me, I had this experience in, in sales before. It was not my first month, but I had no issue calling someone after sending him an email. But like the first, to me, the first touch point by call was very hard, but now it's the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah. So you mean at the desk, you are sending an email first after, uh, before calling? Yeah, all the time. Or, all the time, all the time, okay. All the time, yeah. Okay, but now we are going to talk about MoveWorks after that. But uh, so at MoveWorks, what's your uh, goal as a SDR, monthly or quarterly goal? We have a we have a meeting a completed goal. So we have every month we have to hit ten uh, meeting completed. So this is the only goal we have. We don't have ARR goals or anything like that. It's just meeting completed. It's what will define my commission, my compensation. Um, on top of that, we have quite a lot of KPIs and they are most of them result oriented. So I don't have a KPI on number of calls I have to make. Um, I don't have any of that. So it's, there are like best practices. So it's good if you do 50 touch points, it's good. It's better if you do more depending on of the, the, the kind of like SDR you are, because it depends to any SDR. For me, I know I have one of the lowest activity of anybody in my company but I have one of the highest connection rate on calls. So it's, may, it's probably luck, but I feel it's very important to prospect intentionally and the right people. So to me, if you call 10 times someone that's not 
going to be able to help or directly get a meeting, it's useless to me. So I don't focus on that. So, um, but in terms of KPI, we have the number of opportunities we create that go into discovery. So it's stage two in Salesforce. So we have to do eight each month. And we have the number of opportunity that move into scoping in Salesforce. And that's two each month. And we also have an amount of, of pipeline attached, but it's not a, it's not a goal, it's KPI. And it's something you have to, so sometime you'll be below the number and then the next month you'll hit like twice the, the, the KPI, which is a quarterly, just aligned and it kind of a, um, yeah, makes uh, makes sense at the end of the quarter. You said fifty touch points. Uh, is it a day uh, daily? I mean, it's it's it's. I've heard people talking about fifty. I heard people talking about less. To me, I think it's less than that. It's around thirty to forty, maybe. On my biggest days at at MoveWorks, we have something called PG Tuesday. So tomorrow I'll be PGing the whole day. So I okay. won't do it. Um, won't almost do any research. I have my lead list already ready. Okay. And so I'll just be pitching. So that day it's more like a hundred touch points because I'll be doing that okay. in the morning and in the afternoon. Um, but uh, some of the days, today it might have been 30, maybe 35, 40 with some of the emails I've sent, some of the, um, the follow-up I've sent on LinkedIn. Um, so it's, it's around that uh, personally. But I know some of my colleagues as well are doing like 60, 70. It's just, uh, I think everybody's got to find the right balance between uh, like where you're productive and uh, so you said tomorrow, for example, you will do 100 touch points. Uh, how many calls and you will be on those 100 touch, touch points? Approximately 99. <laughs> 99. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be almost every call. Uh, like yeah. at least the goal is to do at least uh, all of your calls of the day. So I think I have like 75 or 80 prospects. Thing, but sometimes you have people like on me at that time. So you call them back again. Um, and then there's people you have conversation with, and then you send a follow-up email. So that will also count as a touch point. But I never focus on touch point on touch points. Some days I do five touch points and I book three meetings, and I'm happy with what I've done. So I'd rather focus on some things, learn some new things on the job, and participate in other meetings instead of just trying to bully the the, the prospect and get some more touch points. When you said uh, you have a really high connect rate, what's your connect rate uh, on the phone? I, I didn't know I had a really high connect, connect rate until two weeks ago when I talked about it with my manager. And he said, Baptiste, you have the lowest activity, <laughs> but you have the highest connection rate. So keep the thing, keep everything up, like don't change anything. Um, I think my connection rate is around 15 to 16%, something like that. So it's like uh, I've been told that in my company, the connect, connect rate is around 6% in the company. I think it's more in line to what the, like the, uh, the, the average SDR is, is, is viewing, is experiencing. So yeah, it's, it's way higher. And I wish I knew exactly <laughs> why I was doing, I was having these results. But sometimes it's just luck. I try to call at some, I try to call like, you know, the, the, the 10 minutes before an hour, after an hour, 10 minutes before, like 30 minutes, something like that. It's when usually people finish calls or like there is a call they are waiting for someone in the room. So they have more time for it. But it's I'm not like basing my day based off that. It's just sometime I finished a call and I finished writing an email. I said, oh, it's 45. All right, let's see who I can call, who's the 
people I like meetings I can confirm for the week or these kind of things. You said based on, on your day, actually. So let's talk about uh, your days. Um, yeah. You said tomorrow will be pitch day. So I imagine it's only focusing on outreach. So it's no, no research at all. So let's talk about, for example, today was Monday. Do you have specific uh, a specific week or a specific uh, days? Yeah. Uh, how do you I definitely it? have a specific yeah. week. Um, Monday to me, it's my one-to-one -one day. Okay. So on Monday, I have, uh, so in the morning, I have a team meeting with DAEs, uh, DRD, some DSDRs, just to catch up and to get the week going. It's a bit informal. Then I have four one-to-ones with DAEs that I work with. So there's two AEs I work with for um, like business. I work in their book, and there are two other AEs that we'd like taking, we like taking some time to spend time together because we don't we go to the office once a week. So it's also good to spend time and just share some things and it's often linked to business or sports or whatever happened the last day before the day before um, and then quickly we're in the afternoon already <laughs> and in the afternoon i have to do my work to prepare the meeting the calls for the next day because on the morning my AEs gave me five accounts each and on these five accounts i have to find people to put in my sequence basically and after that at, uh, at something I think it's at 5.30, I have a team meeting with all the SDR in Eastern uh, USA and Europe. And then I have a one-to-one -one with my manager. Uh, it's more like a um, kind of a call. Um, a call. We're working on, our, on my cold calls. We're trying to see how we can improve the processes. If there's things we can do to make sure it's easier for me to put people in, in sequences because we have marketing sequences in English, but obviously in French it works differently. So we'll have to find a way to translate it and see how we can tweak the processes to make thing, to make things easy for everybody. Um, so, and rapidly we are at the end of the day and it's already 5 p.m. and we are working on making sure that we have the right contact information for the next day, the PG Tuesday. So PG Tuesday, it's all PG. And then Wednesday it gets to a more um, and So we say, when you say PG, PG, how do you spell that? PG, it's pipeline generation. It's ah, pipeline generation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, sorry. <laughs> it's it's very. Uh, uh, it's something we we say a lot uh, at MoveWorks. Uh, everybody on on PG Tuesday does PG. DRD, the AEs, the SDR. So it's it's very. And what's DRD, actually? Uh, um, regional director. Regional. Okay. Yeah. So we will try to leverage everybody we we can uh, to to get some meetings. And then, yeah, on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, it's more classic week. On the morning, I'll tend to call people in the Europe, like in Europe. On the afternoon, I'll tend, like, I will call people in um, in the US because, like, some of the largest French companies also have people in the US. Same with uh, Swiss companies or whatever. So it's also interesting to try to get these guys uh, on the phone. On those days, on from from Wednesday to Friday, do we have like any regular? Uh, structure of those days so for example you say every day at 10 a.m i'm going to have a, an hour block uh, to call people or how do you approach that i, d I don't have um well I, I do and i don't because sometimes i have slots but they are very flexible i'm not going to stop an activity in activity if i'm in a uh, in a productive time doing another activity so let's say i say all right i'm going to do emails from like 9 to 9 30 and then I'm going to do calls and then I'm going to do LinkedIn. If I'm doing well on my calls and I'm moving down on my list and I'm actually getting people 
connected, I'm not gonna stop just to do my, my social selling, my LinkedIn uh, messages. Because to me, it's very important to prioritize the revenue, the activities that bring revenue. So it's very important. So I know for me that calls bring 95% of my revenue in terms of meeting. So it would not be smart to say, oh, yes, but my calendar says that I have to send the LinkedIn messages when I know for a fact that 5% reply from the, from those. So it's it's not smart. So I'm very flexible, and but I try to be uh, to organized. But again, the day of the SDR, it's uh, <laughs> someday you'll you'll do everything planned. The next day it will be all messed up, but it will end up being a good day. So I'm completely okay with that. I'm very open and I don't have any uh, bad feelings about uh, messing around my, my calendar of the day. Do you have a specific routine to start your days? I'm not an early morning guy, <laughs> which, is, uh, which is something I'm, I'm trying to work on. Um, but it's, uh, it's funny because all my colleagues know it. So I usually start my day with like breakfast or like orange juice, let's say. And then I just go on my computer on my computer because I work from home almost every day. So after that, I'm just uh, routinely doing my day. It mostly, most of the days, it starts by checking up what we have the next few days, uh, making sure that everything is in plan and then uh, just doing uh, doing the work, putting, putting in the work and but most of the time, I do the work on the Monday to prepare the week, and then the PG Tuesdays come, we do the meeting, and then the Wednesday, we still have some things to do from the day before. So it's not, uh, there's not many moments in the week where I'm like, oh, what, what am I going to do? It's also because I've been doing this job for some time now, so I know that I know where to go every time I don't know what to do. So I can always go to my like outreach list and I'm sure I'm going to have some tasks. I don't know which task, but there are going to be some tasks that needs to be done. And uh, I can do, I can do them whenever I, I feel that I don't know what to do. Earlier in the call, you were, and now we're going to talk about cold calls. Uh, you were talking about that you um, when you started making calls, actually making working on the transition, yeah, doing them. You mentioned that you have a strategic plan for cold calls. So what's what's your plan for, for, for making calls? I feel like cold call is very scary. And if to me, it's like whenever I try to learn something new, well, you have to learn things step by step. So if you say, uh, all right, I want to lose uh, 20 kilograms by the end of the year, it's going to be scary. If you say I want to lose two kilograms this month, I want to start working out once a week, twice a week, it's going to be way more attainable. So I've I, I've uh, separated the cold calls into three parts: the introduction, the pitch, and the call to action. And the good things when you start understanding that it's three things that are completely different, but that are part of the same thing, the same task, the cold call. It's very easy to improve, to tweak, to tweak things, and to just try A/B test other things. So once I found my kind of framework, I'm just doing it every time because I know that whenever someone picks up the phone, there's a 90 something percent chance that he's going to let me pitch him. And then when you go from there, once he let me pitch him, there's like a 20% chance I'll get a meeting, which are odds that I'm very comfortable with. So uh, it's the kind of thing that I, I try to do. So yeah, 
introduction, it's a permission-based opener. To me, it's it's the best thing you can do in, in enterprise sales because you you cannot start a call and think, hey, how are you doing? They've got other things to do. I also have other things to do and I don't believe it when I say it, so it sounds weird. So perf my goal is to get uh, a yes. So it's to, it's to be uh, the most of the time kind of on the side of the prospect. So I start my call, it's always the same. It's hello, Mr. Because in France we say Mr. Then the last name of the person. If not, you get uh, or you get well received. If we can are say, you, are you need to be formal. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's my experience. I've had people just yeah. being completely uh, rude because of that in my first calls, and then I say, oh, it's, we're not in the startup world anymore. <laughs> Let's just yeah. call people by their last name. No, but it's like like you said earlier. It's uh, you need to adapt with your uh, buyer personas and uh, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, so, I, so start my, I start my calls. Do you want me to get into it? Yeah, go, go ahead. Okay, so I start my calls. Say, hey, Mister, uh, Mister, this is uh, Baptiste going from MoveWorks. I'm going to be very honest with you. We've never spoke before. Would you mind giving me 30 seconds of your time so I can explain a little bit the reason of my call, and then you're free to hang up if it's not something you're interested in. And 90% of the time, they said yes. Uh, go ahead. Or sometimes they said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I cannot right now. Can you call me back some other time? Then you get back to your thing. Okay, when's the best time to call you? And I've also booked meetings from that because sometimes people say I'm not free now, but we can call, we can talk uh, next week, next Monday at 3 p.m. And you say, are you are you okay if I send you a quick Teams invite or something like that? Yeah, sure. And then you get on the meetings and do you do you is it a call with you or is it a call with your AE? It depends. It depends. Okay. But it it can be a call with the AE because. If they accept, and I see it's someone that has a that fits in in our buyer persona and that could legitimately be interested with what we do, there are no reason for me not to involve my AE. Because we're such a new company in Europe, we're doing a lot of evangelization. So if we have the opportunity to be in front of a CIO or a head of IT or a head of employee experience, it's very important to put the right people in front. And I've also had some time a CIO I booked and I put my EMEA VP on the call because he was the CIO of one of the largest companies in the world. So we were like, sure, uh, let's put him. And then he joined and it was a good call. So everybody was happy because oh, nice. if okay. I had joined the call by myself, maybe the CIO would have some very high expectation yeah. and I would be, hey, just wanted to know if you had pain points. <laughs> You know, and I'm not going to be with the band and say, oh, what's, what's your budget? What's your tech stack? <laughs> no, that's exactly that. So sometimes I just want to make sure you want to make sure you put the right level of authority on the right people, because it's okay. not that I'm not worth talking to a CIO. No, no, I know I can I can handle a conversation, but it's, you have, we have to be straight with that and honest. It's important to map people that can add value with people that have experience and I have way less experience than my VP of sales, so it's just complete. No, but that's why I was asking because uh, we had. Uh, I remember, I think it was no October, November. We had a similar situation with a call where uh, an SD on my team booked a meeting with um, this way. So the person said, "Yeah, I can't talk right now," and he said, yeah, like, you, "Can we schedule some time for something on, on your calendar for next week or in two weeks?" I said, "No, in two weeks." Okay. 
but um, we invited uh, the AE on the call and the expectation from the, um, I would say from the prospect was not, they were not expecting like, um, commercial, a sales call and they were more expecting like having a quick chat. And uh, so, but that's why I was asking because I think here it's more, it was more about the expectations uh, from this. It was, I think that's something obviously we improved after that, but uh, yeah, that's why I was asking. It's, it's the, also one of the things you, you, you cannot control. Also. So you cannot control, the, if you have 25 seconds with a prospect that do not tell you yes or no, I'm interested, you cannot control what his expectations are. So let's do it. And worst case scenario, you've wasted 15 minutes of your time with your AEs and they'd rather waste the time than just not do a meeting and miss out on an opportunity of building a relationship with a, with a buyer, basically. Yeah, and, and that's true because the, the title of the person was good. So that's why also we, when we, I was talking with the SDR about this, I said, yeah, I think that's fine. The title is good. So, and like you said, it's the expectation on the, from the, the buyer that was maybe not um, met, but, um, the, it happens. But, that, but that's fine. So, um, okay. So you said, Opener, you have 90% um, success rate for, with your opener. Um, so what do you say now uh, when you pitch? I pitch, uh, so I ask for 30 seconds and I do a 25 second pitch. <laughs> Just the idea is not to eat every second he gave me. So I want to make sure I can pause at the end of my pitch. Just see if he reply, if he says something. And if he doesn't, I can go to my call to action. Just say, okay, I understand, I know I called you out right out of the blue. You were not expecting my call. Just wanted to see if you had any initiatives going in that sense, if it's something you've explored in the past, if it's something you'd be keen to learn a little bit more in the in the next call. And I made it clear very early and very quick that it's I'm not trying to sell them anything because we're working on sales cycle that lasts for almost a year. So even if you wanted to buy something, you almost couldn't he almost couldn't because it's high acv uh, numbers so it's not something that can be done like that so i just want to diffuse any concerns you can have by we yeah, it's a process that takes a lot of time we have to put procurement into it look completely understand is it something you'd be interested to learn more about it's not about buying things and booking a demo and then uh, uh, booking a workshop and then putting your cfo in, in into it it's just are you interested to learn more about the technology? Because what we do is truly new in this space and people most of the time do not trust us that it's something that we can provide. So they are very skeptical about what we say. So uh, that's why I try to diffuse everything. Say, there's no rush. They, I know it's you are not expecting. So if you have some time, I think it would be great for you to see what we can do and what we've done in Europe and in the world with some of the largest companies. So you don't ask any question about the pains, you are straight to the pitch uh, on the technology. It, it depends because the, the thing is, I, I, can, I can say uh, you're probably looking to reduce the cost of your internal IT. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody is looking for that. You're probably trying to improve the, yes, employee experience everybody wants. Yeah, you want to improve the quality of services. Yes. I mean, it's some of the dumbest questions we can ask, but it's still something we're going to try to make sure they have initiatives on. But it's, I think if you ask these types of questions to a CIO, they're gonna feel like you do not know what you're talking about because 
there is no CIO in the world that will say, no, I'm not interested in reducing costs, not interested in improving employee experience, and not interested in improving the quality of service provided to my team, or even uh, improve the work of my colleagues in IT support. They have real goals attached to these kind of big things. So obviously it's going to be important for them. But I think that we have to position ourselves as someone that can bring value more than just someone that uh, can ask questions. So I just want to show that what we do, the software we do, can bring value. The rest, the questions will follow up. And sometimes I had questions about the tech stack, but it's whenever it's when they have agreed for a time. So I can be very, um, I, I can be, some of the tech stack that are the most important for us is like the IT support, the ITSM they use. So the, the ticketing internal system they use and the chat platform they use internally. So for the chat platform, I can just say, are you guys using Teams internally? So I can share the best invite to make sure that it's easy for you to join the call. If they say, no, we are using Slack, all right, no worries. Is a Zoom working better for you? Yes, or sometimes no, Google, Google Workspace. And it's just a way for me to get this. And most of the time, the ITSM things, you can get that information on the internet, if you look a little bit closer, if you look at the hiring parts of the, the company, sometimes they are hiring like ServiceNow administrator. So you can clearly see that they are using ServiceNow. And if not, it's not it's not so, so bad. You can get that information in the call and it's why it's also important to have the call. So I don't, I don't want to have the, the call last too long and I don't want to ask too many questions in the call because I don't want to hang up and then they feel, well, uh, I don't know, I said yes, but maybe I'll see if I have something else at that time. Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, what you are doing with having short call, it's you are picking their curiosity uh, about what you are doing and you don't want to say too much uh, because that's something uh, generally I know a lot of people uh, try to do on call calls, it's try to speak too long. They speak uh, 10 to 15 minutes and then at the end they answer all the questions the prospect has and um, the goal here is not to giving too much, but giving a few information that they, then they have a reason to show up uh, on the first call. It, it's funny you say that because I'm the kind of sale that is very passionate about the product I sell. So I always, when I join a new company, the most important for me is the product. What, are, what am I going to sell? And I could stay on calls for like 15 minutes explaining why we have the best like AI machine learning models that makes our NLU and NLP technology uh, uh, the best, the most efficient for their business, that they will that will do all the great things that none of the competitors do. But if I go in that route, I'm going to stay 15 minutes in the call. I'm not going to get paid for the call because it's just me calling. And it's not good because then the AE has missed an opportunity to introduce himself to this person and to present the company on a more structured call. Because uh, it's not that we are SDR, we cannot do introduction calls. I've done introduction calls when I was at Zendesk because we had to give opportunities that were known to the AEs. So it was not introduction with the AE. But here it's important to not miss out on someone because I haven't been prepared enough or I wasn't organized enough in my in my cold call, which are not organized most of the time once you get in the call. So I try to max the call at five minutes. Whenever I approach five minutes, I said, look, I told you I'm calling out of the blue. It's not for nothing. I also have some things to do in my day. So I see that you're interested with that. Let's spend some time in the next week and 
and organize something together. Which is good because, like like you said earlier, it's creating curiosity, and uh, they want to learn more. Um, so that, and that's the goal. Uh, do you have any tips for um, someone? I would say like you is struggling. If I, some, some, like right now, you're not starting to make calls anymore. <laughs> but uh, for someone who, who, are strugg who is struggling right now, want to uh, improve his call, call skills, or someone who wants to start call calling, uh, what's your one tip for for this person? There's several things. Um, okay. First, you have to train. It's like anything. If you never train with your SDR or with your colleagues, with your manager or with your AE, you're not going to to be good at it. Um, so it's sorry to break the news, but uh, if you never like train, you're not going to be performing. It's just the basic. Um, but so you have to train, but you also have to have the right resources to know how to organize your pitch. So you can have script. I have a script almost, well, not anymore because once you know the product and everything, it's it's fluid. But for the, my first five or six months at Movers, I had a script. I would follow my script every call because I it's what made me sure that I was not saying anything bad. I didn't want to miss a word or just say something uh, that didn't have anything to do there, but I just put the word that somehow. So it's important for me to have script because it's it's um, it's reassuring. So whenever you are on a call, you can be a little bit free, but since you have this security on your screen that can guide you back to the track, it's just way safer to do the call. So that's how I started. It, I made sure I had a call that sounds human, is not long, and can go straight to the point. So when you have that, train with your AEs, train with your SDR. I don't think there's an SDR manager that that leaves that, or I hope not, that's going to say to the SDR, no, I don't want to train, practice with you, your cold call. Like it, if it exists, there's some bigger questions to ask uh, to yourself around your situation. <laughs> and same with the AEs. Same with the AEs. Most AEs, they, sometimes they haven't been prospecting as much, so it's good exercise for them too to work on it and see how you're doing and give you a few tips. So when I joined Moveworks, I asked my regional director because I was struggling at some time and we worked on it together and he gave me his, his script. I wrote my script, which was different, but I took some things from him, took something from me and it made something that I was comfortable with. And I then I, I just started working and putting in the work on calling people. Now we are almost at the end of the episode, so um, I'm going to ask you two more questions. So, what's your favorite resource as an SDR? It can be a tool, podcast, a blog, someone you are following on LinkedIn, or something else. It's going to be very simple, but any SDR that is not sitting on the intro calls is missing out. I'm going to say it as many times as I can, but to me, it's the thing that makes that made me learn the faster the product, the pains that you're prospects are having because we, it depends on what you're working with. Sometimes it's not very clear and sometimes it evolves. So by staying in these intro meetings, it's important and you'll get how they think and how C-level thinks. So sometimes you can think that this will be important to them and they'll tell you, I don't care about price. For now, I don't care about price. Maybe later it will, but at some point he wants to see that we can deliver value. and. It's very important. So now we have Gong, so you can use Gong to leverage. But to me, it, it feels important to be on the intro call because I take pride in building relationships with the people I call. 
So I feel like I'm pretty good at creating this kind of relationship that will make the prospect reply on my next phone call. So it's important for me to be present and not just put him in the cage with the AE and like, hey, have a fight. You have 30 minutes. You said yes. Now you're in the call. You cannot leave. It's important to start the call and put things together so that my AE and him can have a proper conversation. Yeah, next advice is to be curious. Uh, it's the best thing that can happen, whether it's curiosity about the tools you're using. Like, okay, I'm, I, I use outreach every day. It's interesting, but I, I'm not a master at it every day. Well, try to dig into what you can really do with outreach because it can help you quite a lot. And it can put you in a very good place if you want to become an SDR manager or if you want to move into other roles. So many AEs do not use outreach because they've never been trained and there were AEs uh, they've been AEs for like 15 years, so it didn't exist before, and now they've never received any training. So it's just the kind of thing that could put Nesdiar in a good position over the next year. And I mean, using Salesforce is one of the things that helped me the most, like learning how to do reports, how to work on things, because not everybody do it, but once you master these kind of tools, it's going to make you better at your job and you'll be better than your colleagues, basically, that do not do this extra step. What advice will you give uh, to a smart and driven new enterprise SDR? And what advice should they ignore? Right. They should ignore following everything on LinkedIn. Because unless they find a LinkedIn influencer that talks about their situation, their ICP, their product, their things that relate to them, absolutely follow. If they are, if they are having positive results with that, you should give it a try. And it's always better to A-B test with someone else method that's been successful with than with you, just with your thoughts. So this would be important. And also, yeah, I think um, it's important to, to prospect with um, intentionality, to be intentional with your prospecting, because it, would, it is what will make the difference when you're on the phone with someone, because you feel when someone knows their product, but you feel when, you feel when someone knows it's good. And you just get it and it just makes everything easier because you will not uh, like think twice about what you're saying because you know it's doing this, this and that. And also the last thing, master your customer success story, your whatever you have from your customers that your testimony, testimonials, it's very important because it's the kind of thing that you can say on the phone to people. So whenever you know, uh, like the, the, the customer story that relates to the prospect you're calling, it's just a game changer because you'll be, hey, okay, I work with one of your competitors and they, with us, they've managed to do this, this and that. And I'm pretty sure we could replicate, like replicate the work with you. And I'd love to share more about how we've done it with them. And most of the time, if they have time and if it's one of their priority, and again, there's tons of things like around that, but they will be more open to a conversation than not. Well, Baptiste, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Uh, before we end the episode, is there anything else that you want to share with uh, the audience or people who are watching this? I think I, I've talked enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, that's good. So it was nice to see you. And for everybody uh, listening, uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. 